Okay, back to basics. Needs versus wants. For those who were here last week, you will recall how I attempted to make a much clearer distinction between needs and wants than our contemporary culture and capitalism do. By suggesting it is important in life and in faith to constantly be asking the right questions and not allow our wants to be confused as needs, nor to allow our wants to be prioritized inappropriately in relation to life's most important needs. This morning, we are going to look more closely at the wants side of things, because there isn't a single person listening this morning who doesn't deal with wanting, desiring on a continual basis. Billy Graham's wife once told an audience of all women, this was a number of years ago, she said, God has not always answered my heart's desires. If he had, I would have married the wrong man several times. (laughs) Isn't it normal to desire something different from what we have? whether it be a house, a car, a job, a spouse, or a different family. The driving force of desire is often difficult to figure out. A teacher was surprised to have a little first grader burst into her room breathlessly to report that the first grade boys were grabbing all the girls as they went out the door and giving them a kiss. The teacher asked her why she didn't use the side entrance. And she said, oh, no, then they'd miss me. (laughs) What seemed like an outer problem was really meeting an inner, heretofore, unarticulated desire. When it comes to desires, there are different kinds, shades, levels, intensities, and durations. For instance... I can desire a big ice cream sundae or world peace. Different levels, right? Different levels, intensities, and durations. Wants and desires seem to spring up in us practically all the time. Some of you may remember that classic movie, Key Largo. Bogart, Humphrey Bogart, and Edward Robinson starred in that film. And there's a scene in the movie in which Bogart says to Robinson, Rocky, what you really want out of life is more. And Rocky's face lights up and he says, yeah, that's what I want. More. More. Desiring more. And as soon as we get something, it isn't long before we're desiring something more and something else, something better. I suspect many psychologists would see this as an unending process going practically from birth to death. 
Certainly a great deal of our U.S. marketing is driven by the notion that it is okay to have all that we desire. And unfortunately, happiness, or better, fulfillment, is confused with pleasure and entertainment. The key is not that we have desires, because we all do. The key is dealing with our desires in helpful ways. Desires, if left undealt with, can have a life of their own and in ways conscious and unconscious literally begin to control a person. No one can ever know the innermost thoughts of another person, and so dealing with desire is a very personal matter. And dealing with dark desires can be one of the most difficult things of all. Wishing ill will or destructive things for another person or for yourself is the kind of thing I'm talking about. Two little sisters were given a choice on a shopping trip between a blue dress and a red dress, and there was one of each. The younger sister was given first choice. Which do you want, the blue one or the red one? She hesitated, and then she burst into tears. How can I tell until she chooses? I don't want either one. I want hers. We laugh because it's true. Growing up, my next-door neighbor was the same age as me, and he came from a family that had much more wealth than ours. And so he always had great toys, things, bikes, you name it. He always had more and better than I did. And I remember being envious as a young boy, of all those nice and expensive things he had. And because I thought I desired all those things that he had, which I didn't and would want to have. And at times, I remember having thoughts not wanting good for him because he had all those things that I was never going to have. And it took me a long time to learn not to desire the life, the happiness, the relationships, the experiences, the abilities, and the things of other people. Because I had enough to do and still do just to deal with my own desires and struggles. Dark desires are sort of like a black hole in the soul especially if they are unchecked and not dealt with. It's a place within where the self or the pull of self is so strong that nothing can get out, not even light, and everything just gets sucked in. Unquenched, unchecked, ongrowing, ongrowing desires of pleasure and self-gratification are drawn more and more into the vacuum of self where they stay in this black hole of the soul. Not only do we have this inner dimension of desire and difficulty because we are highly personal beings, but also we have an outer reality connected to desire because we are highly social beings as well. 
From an early age, many of us are taught to please others so that we will be accepted and liked. Right? And since we desire to be liked, we almost automatically desire to please. We can desire that others think better of us than we know we really are. Hence, we try to put our our best foot forward. Never mind, it's the other one that needs attention. Jesus knew something about our inner and outer desires and how mixed our desires can be as human beings. So listen again to the story of how two siblings worked out their desires differently. What do you think? Father had two sons. He went to the first and he said, son, go and work in the vineyard. Now, did you notice on the cover of your program, there's a vineyard? That vineyard represents life, God's fields in which we're called to go. So he said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And the first answered, no, I don't want to. But later he changed his mind and went. But in the meantime, the father went to the second son and said the same thing. And he answered, sure, dad, sure, dad, I'll do it. But he didn't go. Now, which of the two did the father's will? And they said the first. And Jesus then reminded them of the tax collectors and the prostitutes who would go into the kingdom before them. Two sons, one says no, responding out of self-desire. He doesn't want to go and work. That's an honest feeling. It's an honest reaction. But then he does. The other says, yes, desiring to please at any cost, even if he knows he's not going to follow through on his word. And then he follows his own desire which is often laziness or ease. Whether we are male or female, have siblings or not, if the parental figure in Jesus' parable represents God, then can't we all be like both kids at one time or another in our lives? The first one responds honestly and out of self-desire. I really don't want to have to go. I don't want to have to work. I don't want to have to do it. But then godly interest kicks in. And the second gives quick lip service with the desire to appear to please and serve. But when push comes to shove, desire kicked in. Jesus surely knew how hard it is to have our Words match our actions. Because neither one of the sons did very well on that score. And I'm convinced we don't do nearly as well as we think we do on that as well. But the second son confronts us with our own lack of integrity, especially as it relates to being on track with God's will. How many times have you said yes to somebody or something, intending to do it, and when it came to the follow-through, 
you just didn't get around to it. Dealing with our own desires and dealing with God's desires are difficult indeed. The contemplative Trappist monk, Thomas Merton, once observed, The mind that is the prisoner of its own pleasure and the will that is captive of its own desire cannot accept the seeds of a higher pleasure and a supernatural desire. For how can I receive the seeds of freedom if I am a slave to something else? And how can I cherish the desire of God if I am filled with another and opposite desire? Desire Seek God's kingdom first, and then all these things will be added unto you. Even those directive words of Jesus have a slight bit of self-interest in them for us. But the amazing thing is that in the process of seeking God's will, we discover the real needs of the self are much smaller than we ever knew, And the desire to do good for others gives us the deepest sense of fulfillment. And that's a lot easier said than done. Because in an attempt to do good to others, we can get sucked in to the desire to be liked by others. And that's when wills and control enter in. You see, in our desire to be accepted and liked by others, we get caught in comparing ourselves to them, being influenced by them, And they're thinking, instead of praying to God and pleasing God, irrespective of what another person thinks. It's part of our nature to want to be accepted. The question is, by whom? Others or God? We all remember Pinocchio. Pinocchio says to his newfound father, Geppetto, Papa, if I'm all right with you, I'm all right with me. Wow. If I'm all right with you, God, I'm all right with me. Desiring a right relationship with God can lead us to please God and not others. And it can lead us to do for others with no recognition. Otherwise, the recognition puts our desire back on self. Aren't I special? Aren't I good? Aren't I wonderful? To become Christ-like is the greatest thing in the world to desire and to will. Perhaps you have noticed that desire and will have a relationship with each other, but they are not the same thing. Desire does not automatically become action. Will is desire of sufficient intensity that it becomes action. The difference between the two is like the difference between saying, I would like to go for a walk this afternoon, or I will go for a walk this afternoon. Just because we desire to be loving does not make us loving. And just because we desire to do what God asks of us, like the second son, doesn't mean we will do it. Loving and honoring God is an act of will of will power. It is both intention and action. Dealing with desire this morning, we are given choices. We can choose to love and follow through with God. 
No matter how much we may think we are loving and serving God, if in fact we are not, it is not the same thing because we have not chosen to do it. When we don't follow through, we are making a choice whether we like it or not. So listen to the Sudanese Christian prayer. It's worth praying ourselves. Good morning, Lord. I love you. What are you up to today? Well, I want to be part of it, and I will. Thank you, God. Amen. Psalm 112. Praise the Lord. Happy are those who fear the Lord, who greatly delight in his commandments. They rise in the darkness as a light for the upright. They are gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with those who deal generously and lend, who conduct their affairs with justice. They are not afraid of evil tidings. Their hearts are firm, secure in the Lord. Their hearts are steady. They will not be afraid. They have distributed freely. They have given to the poor. The wicked see it and are angry. They gnash their teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked comes to nothing. Did you catch it? The desire of the wicked comes to nothing. The desires, no matter how bad they seem, come to nothing. Dealing with desire. It's enough to deal with our own Yet the more we can consciously, from our outer to our inner and everything in between, the more we can choose to say yes to God's desire with both our intentions and our actions. Dealing with desire. It will not be easy. Trust me, it will not be easy and it will be ongoing. It isn't something just for this morning. But let's agree to follow in the way of our Lord. And let's agree to align our will with God's. Because where there's a way, there's a will. Where there's a way, there's a will. Amen. Let us rise in body or spirit and affirm our faith as we share our words printed in the bulletin. New life in Christ does not release us from conflict with unbelief, pride, lust, and fear. We still have to struggle with disheartening difficulties and problems. Nevertheless, as we mature in love and faithfulness in our life with Christ, we live in freedom and good cheer, bearing witness on good days and evil days, confident that the new life is pleasing to God and helpful to others. The new life finds its direction in the life of Jesus, his words and deeds, his struggles against temptations, his compassion, his anger, and his willingness to suffer death. The teaching of the prophets and apostles guides us in living this life, and the Christian community nurtures and equips us for our ministries. So be it. Amen.